1: BJ House Metal Land, the Coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhouse.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast with Steve Allen and Michael Butner on SEN Track.
2: Yeah, good morning and what a glorious Saturday on the Central Coast and we're live from the Country Cricket Championships, the McDonald's Country Championships at this magnificent venue at Tugra. No Buttes this weekend. He's down the South Coast uh, with Oz Tag, so we've brought in the guru. Gary, the guru, Birkinshaw... Good morning, mate. It doesn't get much better than this. Our Central Coast boys had a win yesterday in the country championships, and they're back in action this morning from 10.
3: Yeah, good morning, Steve. What a fantastic day here at Tugger. What a great facility, and the weather's shining. Certainly put on uh, uh, beautiful weather for our visitors, and the Central Coast certainly got off to a great start yesterday, uh, defeating North Coast. It was a very, very good game of cricket, and uh, today they're going to back that up against Central North and hoping to make it two out of two.
2: I can't believe how good the top order was for the Central Coast. Before we go to our first guest this morning, can you just... uh, let us know. I mean down the order there was a half century, there was a, a player that scored sixty odd. All the top order were in the runs.
3: Yeah, look, it was a very professional batting lineup, yeah. The top six players all got above 30. We had a couple of run-outs at the top, which wasn't very good, but Callum Ranger coming at number six and really finished the innings off. He ended up with 66 not out, I think, off about 54 balls, and Steve McCabe, the captain, has Steve McCabe, what he's been doing for years, he got a 51, so look, they were able to get 295, and North Coast were very good in the chase. They got 245, and were there with some uh, some big hitting there by Pat Rosser, but you know, chasing 295 is always going to be a tough gig, and um, they, they finished it off nicely.
2: I tell you, we had the BBL final last night, the Scorchers winners against the Sixers. We'll talk more about that as the show unfolds. Are you ready for the Barty party on this Saturday?
3: Oh, how good's that going to be? Uh, fantastic! But I think it's the first year in 40 years we've had uh, a women's single finalist, and she's been fantastic. It's been a big week for the Aussies in tennis. Really, they've uh, they've done exceptionally well.
2: Yeah, the boys in the doubles—they're in action later on tonight. The Super K is up against the other Aussie team. One of them is from the Central Coast, Purcell. Uh, so, I mean. I can't believe through the week we'd heard very little about this other Aussie team and now they're up against the Super Ks in the final and I think... They've had the biggest crowds in the history of doubles tennis.
3: They've certainly changed the way tennis is viewed. I think from a from an entertainment perspective, you know, a lot of people are certainly against it. but I think it's like anything, though, Steve. If you're going to try and market your sport, you need to have something different. Don't want the blend. You've got to bring different people into the sport. And you know, Nick Kyrgios has always been, you know, polarised people. Everyone seems to like cock and arches injuries he's gone through. But today it was good. Max Purcell certainly put it out on social media last night. You know, he really put the Kyrgios and them saying that you know they're disrespectful to the game so he certainly lit the fuse before the
2: game started yeah and there's a Kiwi that's very unhappy with Kyrgios we'll play that audio a little later in the show Uh, just one thing on this Central Coast rep side I want to speak to the selectors where is Jeff Hemming I know he's 48 but he just gets better and better and better and he's a superstar from the entrance he's a real leader on and off the field where is Jeff Hemming well, unfortunately, uh, Jeff sort of stepped away a bit from the game at the
3: moment. So, for about just before Christmas, he actually stepped away from the entrance. He's back playing now. He's playing second grade for the entrance to, uh, today. This, or Last week he played there, so he's just sort of taking a bit of a, a bit of a break from it. I suppose he did a great job at the entrance, but uh, certainly a good man, Jeff. And look, Jeff might be forty-eight, but you could put him in any environment of cricket, with any, and his ability would be able to, to stand out.
2: Yeah, so. he's a rock star, no doubt about it. Hey, uh, let's go to our first guest, who's been waiting patiently. Uh, you know what it means. It's a standing ovation for the First Lady of Track and Field, Margaret Beardsley, joins us. Uh, Good morning, Margaret, and a busy January for Track and Field. One of the highlights, of course, Katie Gunn with a World Juniors Qualifier.
4: Absolutely, and uh, thank you for the welcome and good morning, everyone. Um, Katie's uh, performance is definitely a standout from our country uh, championships last weekend at Maitland and uh, unfortunately we we'll go straight to the uh, flip side of brother Tyler having a terrible uh, accident at, on the uh, 200 at the, uh, one of the last events of the program. So highs and lows for the, for the family there. But uh, Katie <coughs> qualifying for uh, World Junior Championships there with a 6.2-metre jump. It's a huge jump, and she's been working tirelessly for the last couple of years with Matt Horsnell. Uh, coach of uh, Nicola McDermott, so uh, great result there.
2: Yeah, I, I think the qualifying mark was around the six fifteen, and she was a couple of centimetres off it. So now she's finally not just broken it, but she smashed it, Margaret.
4: Yes, very, very confidently, and and it tends to happen with athletes. The um, a, lot, a lot of uh, mental uh, strength needs to go into reaching those those goals, and uh, once you've been there, it it's not that it's automatic, but you just you kick in a different gear and you know what you need to do and you just get the job done. Maybe a little, um, more confidently, not, not easily. Yeah.
2: And Tyler, uh, I've contacted him through the week and, uh, it sounds like it's the hamstring again. Uh, Mm. you know, have you spoken to him? What have you heard? And, and what's the,
4: No, I think they're keeping it pretty quiet. He he had, did have a, a big aspiration for this year and, and, uh, The way that he went down, he he went off in an ambulance. Um, He'd run particularly well all weekend. He won the hundred in ten seventy seven, won the four hundred in low forty sevens. So you know his form was exceptional. And seen him training down at the track lately, and he's very excited about where he's at. So he'll be uh, that'll be really hard uh, position for him to be in at the moment, waiting to. find out what the uh, recovery program's going to be and and how long that's going to take. So, uh, you know, our heart goes out to him at the moment and uh, hope that uh, he can get that full recovery and get back.
2: Yeah, absolutely. What else caught your eye? I I know there was the Maitland Championships. I do know that the evergreen 75-year-old John Wall has broken another record. And not only that, he's also creamed another MBN journalist after he wiped the floor with me last year. Oh, he did,
4: did he? Okay, yeah. so he, yeah, no, he, he definitely um, got uh, got the gold in in the hundred metres, and uh, I was just struggling on my. Sh- I made a couple of notes for the uh, for the hunt the times, and I know that he. Uh, he ran uh, nearly as fast as uh, Jason Chaney, who was 20 years his uh, junior. So that, <laughs> that was um, a particularly good effort. And for somebody who, you know, supposedly retired, um, you know, that, that was, uh, well, we, I mean, he just, he looks the goods, he is the goods, he, he runs very well. So um, you know, we did very well in the older age categories because he's obviously inspiring people and uh, David Smith, who's uh, heavily involved in Shelley Athletics, he was right up there in the uh, 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 on the podium a couple of times with the uh, two hundred and the one hundred. And, uh, and of course, Jason
2: and, and Margaret. What else caught your eye uh, in Maitland and also oh, so, through January?
4: So Ernie, Ernie keep keeping on going on the sprints. I mean, Ernie was um, amazing, uh, breaking uh, uh, I think twenty-year-old record uh, setting setting. Uh, both the one hundred and the two hundred, he ran, he's in the fifty to fifty nines. He ran eleven seventy six, so that was a fantastic uh, performance. And once again in the sprints, our girls from Mingara, um, Kelly McAndrew, Bronte Carroll, uh, Bella, and Jade Bevan, um, they broke a f- uh, forty, uh, a twenty three year old uh, record. They smashed the four by one hundred, and they took uh, nearly one and a half seconds off that. And in a, in a sprint, that that's a huge uh, improvement. So they they just looked like magic. Uh, on their their changes were were just fantastic, and uh, that that was a definite highlight. Plus uh, Bronte Carroll, who this is the forty one year record. Uh, she she won the uh, open women's two hundred, and uh, she ran twenty three sixty two. So. Um, all of those girls pretty much under the tutorage of uh, Larry Spencer, Wayne Lucky, and Lenore Beaton. So great results uh, and, and, you know, assisted by great coaches. So it's just uh, been, it was a fantastic meet. Uh, we had gold medals from the coast across pretty much every single discipline. There's, there's 14 disciplines. So, you know, the, um, the versatility of the athletes here is fantastic.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We're talking a lot about the sprints, but what about the races we love—the middle distance? Margaret, you know that back in the eighties, there was an eight and fifteen hundred meter champion.
4: Well, um, Ashley Pernica got up for the win in the uh, women's uh, eight hundred meters. <laughs> we were a bit—we're we a bit light on in the um, the eights and the 15s. Sally Hunt uh, did pretty well in the uh, older. Groups for the 50s for the ladies, and then uh, I guess the uh, 3K, the 5K was a pretty exciting night. Paul Arthur came came back and won his uh, category in 17:15, which was great wow. to see because uh, that he's um, yeah he's been working hard for a couple of years and going through uh, injuries and uh, and and trying to encourage a few people around him. I think uh, they had a win for Ryan McKendrick, He broke 16 minutes. Our group um, of oldies, um, I think uh, Gary Field and uh, Murray Schubert, uh, ran in behind uh, Paul in the over-50s and did pretty well with uh, sub-20 performances. Um, Yeah, and a a new girl, uh, Ginny, uh, oh, I can't remember her last name, but she uh, ran second in the Women's Open. So we've got a A good showing there, but um, you know we could use a few uh, distance runners. So please uh, show up to the track if you're out there and you're interested in listening.
2: Yeah, yeah, you just said Murray Schubert and uh, Gary Birkinshaw's alongside me. That's the great Murray what? Schubert that uh, was a best and fairest in the Central Coast AFL competition.
3: Yeah, yeah, look, Mars has been around for a, a, quite a while and look, a fantastic servant of the
2: Kalanival Football Club.
3: And I heard he was in, into his running and, that, and that's fantastic news of what he's doing there.
2: Yeah, and I know he ran right. a super fast marathon as well. Is that correct, Margaret?
4: A half marathon. I think he was. He's he's working up to the marathon. Everybody likes that. Um, no, he's very dedicated at the moment and, and uh, training very very well. So he's going through the motions of getting the the times over the the shorter distances. And he ran 19:46 as a matter of fact, and so that was uh, under his target 15 seconds for the for the 20 minutes. And uh, Gary Fields been um, really trying to help him along there, and it's exciting to see. You know, they're putting putting in good uh, training and, and getting some results and obviously heading towards some goals, like you say, with the, uh, with the bigger distances. And I think later in the year he's going to have a go at, um, at the half and then I'm not sure if he'll... I think you just leave that marathon for a moment and, and see where your body is at this age.
2: Yeah, yeah, I tell you, he was a sensational AFL player, like a kamikaze, so hard at the footy, and uh, we loved playing with him over the years. Hey, Margaret, I've got a couple of final questions for you. I know you were honoured in the Australia Day Honours. You were the Central Coast uh, Citizen of the Year at one stage. How do you feel about Dylan Alcott being named Australian of the Year following in the footsteps of the very courageous Grace Tame?
4: Oh, I think that's just an awesome um, selection He's been such a uh, such a uh, um, what is it, an idol, idol a, uh, a mentor in the in the sport and also in the um, you know just to show what uh, can be achieved um, you know when you you're facing adverse times and uh, you know he, he's just got a great personality he's got a great dedication to everything that he does and uh, you know he's he's just a real good Aussie bloke on top of all of that so. Yeah, my um so sort of
2: really, really happy with the selection there. Yeah, so am I. And I think already he's shown he's going to be incredible this year. He's announced his retirement uh, runner-up in the Australian Open, and he's just smashed down some barriers. In fact, in our second hour, can't wait for David Hall to join us. And uh, he was superb last week on our show. Uh, David, of course, was... Uh, number one in the world for six years, won the U.S. Open on eight occasions, and he's the pride of Budgie Woy, David Hall, so looking forward to speaking to him. Margaret, uh, next time we chat, we've got to talk about the, I think it's the best book I've read in a long, long time. It's Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, the founder of Nike. So uh, I, I know you running the, the runner's shop at Killarney Vale. Uh, you would have a long association with Nike and their products, and uh, you've read the book as well?
4: absolutely and uh, yeah I couldn't put it down it was pretty fascinating and and uh, having lived through the times of the uh, of the growth of the brand uh, made it extra exciting for sure
2: yeah I, th- I think next time we catch up let's talk about that book in depth because for the first decade there were so many hurdles to them actually moving forward like, Uh, trying to forge relationships in Japan. There were also lawsuits along the way. They had a fight at one stage in the late 1970s with U.S. Customs. Uh, In fact, they got hit with a bill for $25 which would have wiped them out. So they had to lobby a lot of uh, uh, senators and congressmen in the United States. So just a fascinating read. And Phil Knight did a superb job from Oregon. And uh, I know, Margaret, you probably had a lot to do with a lot of those runners back in the 1970s so thanks again for joining us your first cab off the rank on this saturday morning
4: thanks for joining me and uh, just give a cheerio for next weekend for the uh, region middle a's at yep. uh, mingara which will be another yep. one we need to talk about
2: beautiful job the great margaret beardsley will pencil her in for next week we'll take a short break this time next weekend the winter olympics are underway steve graham Matt Graham's dad joining us next. His son is a silver medalist from Pyeongchang four years ago. We'll get the latest on Matt's recovery right after this on Saturdays on the Coast.
1: BJ Howe's Metal Land. The coasts trade choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhouse.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track.
2: Yeah, good morning. Just a gorgeous day at Tugra and we're here for the McDonald's Country Cricket Championship for the Open Men and the Central Coast team. A fantastic win yesterday. Gaz, uh, paint a picture for our listeners what we're seeing right in front of us.
3: Right, so uh, it's beautiful being here, as you said, Steve, and we've got the Central Coast side just doing a few warm-ups in in front of them. They look uh, in pretty good spirits after their win yesterday and... uh, just, uh, they're playing Central North who got beat by Newcastle, but we just need to keep in mind that it was this game last year that we actually lost and We beat Newcastle the, the following day to, for the first time ever, but the game we lost against Central North uh, costs us the chance of going through to the final.
2: Yeah, this team to our right, the uh, the Redbacks, uh, by the look of them, what can you tell us about them? Yeah, look, they're based
3: around uh, Tamworth, they've got players from Tamworth, Maitland, they've probably got the largest area actually in New South Wales, so they've they've had a few players who pulled out this year, a few COVID uh, issues, but... Um, Look, that they're, they're certainly country cricketers. You'll certainly see them probably play cricket a little bit different to um, to others. But um, yeah, like any of the cricketers that at, at these championships, they all they all can play. And uh, on their day, if you, if you're not uh, if central cave, they are on their medal today. They they could be in for a tough challenge.
2: How do you feel? Uh, yesterday, there were a couple of bowlers that took three wickets. Patterson was one of them. The yeah. other was your son. Yeah look,
3: uh, yeah, look. Yeah, uh, look. They actually bowled well. They they opened the bowling and kept it pretty tight, and that's that sort of put uh, North Coast behind uh, the April on the run rate. And then, uh, but then to North Coast credit, they come back and put a good partnership. And uh, Scott and Alex come back after the last drinks break and were able to, to to put a break in the scoring. But more importantly, they took wickets. They took six wickets between them, and uh, and that just uh, got the Central Coast home.
2: You were the architect last year. What's your role this year?
3: Uh, so I'm actually uh, just the zone administrator this year. So I look after part of the organising of the carnival, and, uh, and I actually actually get the boys on the on the park, and then hand it over to to John Ranger and Richard Meer, the coach and the manager, and Steve McCabe's doing a great job as captain. So I take a backward step and just more of an organiser than. Uh, than a coach this year,
2: and I think Andy Baldwin deserves a shout out. Uh, statistician, but uh, just the backbone of the operation.
3: a uh, great man, Andy. Yeah, he's a, he's our scorer, and uh, he does does a lot of scoring for the Central Coast. Went away to Bath with the Colts recently, and uh, he's on debut actually this um, this year with the Open side. So he does a bit of scoring down in Sydney. So fantastic man, Andy. Andy always uh, always there, willing to help out.
2: Yeah, and uh, if people can't get to Tuggerah and watch the action, there's a live stream.
3: Yeah, there certainly is. So if you go to the uh, Central Coast Cricket uh, website, actually, at, all all matches uh, by uh, courtesy of Country Cricket New South Wales now going to be live streamed. So the coverage is quite good. I can see David Winniearter over there on the far side. He's actually setting it up now. So um, you just be able to sit back and uh, if you're out, you can get on the phone while you're out or, or anything. It's, it's really good.
2: Yeah, we're around about 35 minutes away from showtime here and uh, Central Coast going for back-to-back wins in the country championship. And uh, what about the juggernaut that is Newcastle? We'll talk about them. I think last year was the 17th... Straight time or a record seventeenth time, which is just phenomenal. In the meantime, though, let's go live to a boat that's on Brisbane water. Steve Graham is there with the Princess Deb. Uh, good morning, mate, and uh, how's Matt's recovery going? A week out from the Winter Olympic Games. Yeah, good day, Steve. Good day, um, Butes, How you doing, boys?
5: It's, it's
2: all good. <laughs> yeah. Um... I, I was Great, about to say day, day, we mate. haven't got we haven't got Buttes, We got the Guru Gary Birkenshaw. Oh, g'day, Gary. My apologies. I didn't know the Butts. So. Didn't think I. Was <laughs> no worries, talking.
3: Steve. I, mate, I don't mean. Boy. I don't mind being referred to Buttes. That's okay.
5: <laughs> That's the way, Gary. But uh, boys, the um, the team flew from Finland on Australia uh, Day and transferred down to Beijing. So they obviously got in because um, we didn't get any phone calls in regards to negative COVID tests, which was one of the big requirements. But uh, five days on snow in in Finland over in Ruka and. We saw a few little videos and the jumps are back up to full degree difficulty with his cork 10s on the top air and um, off-axis 1080s on the bottom air. So it's just speed now. That's all we've got to do. And that'll be there by Saturday, this time next week.
2: Yeah. So for our listeners who may have missed what happened to Matty, it it was a broken collarbone. And can you pick up the story? Because he had to return home. He spent some time in Brisbane. Then he was back on the Central Coast. But can you pick up the story for us?
5: Yeah, it was seven weeks ago, pretty much to, to the day where uh, the World Cup competition in Sweden where we had a bit of a training accident in between qualifications and finals and a um, big fall and landed on the left shoulder and snapped the collarbone in two places. Uh, so that was then re- required surgery. So that was done in Switzerland on route on the way home. Um, and he got home on the Monday just before Christmas and Few little complications with internal bleeding and the like we got that sorted out and then um only about a fortnight ago he was up in brisbane on the the jeff henke winter trading center on the water ramps just testing the arm and make sure it was working and uh, so we could complete all the aerial maneuvers and then we packed him up on a plane and um sent him over to finland to get back on snow so it's been a different sort of preparation for these olympics but you know he's pretty well rested so um would have liked a little bit more time on snow and or a bit more time on the water ramps, but it is what it is, and he'll be right. He's been, he's been there before.
3: Yes, yeah, Steve, what, uh, in, in Beijing, what conditions can Matt expect over there? There's been some, some talk earlier on there with a bit of lack of snow, but what, uh, what's the conditions you expect to be? Well,
5: generally speaking, Gary, it's um, an Olympic course, so they've built the specifications, so it'll be 28 degrees, 250 metres long. The jumps will be spaced as per the, the, the design of, a, of an Olympic course. But because there's no snow, it is very cold and that's probably why it doesn't snow so much. But um, we've got plenty of water reservoirs over there where they use the um, techno snowmaking machines and that'll be pretty much in all the skiing and snow events. They'll make a lot of snow. And, um, and I guess the good thing about man-made snow is it's a lot of water content, so it ends up pretty icy in and that's probably preferred conditions for Matthew. He's um, he really likes the icy, firm conditions. A lot of the other skiers, especially from North America, they prefer the packed pack powder, which is more like the Deer Valley course in Utah. So yeah, Korea was the same. You know, stock standard Olympic course. Not a lot of snow in Korea. It was uh, a lot of man-made snow and nice um, and icy. And over there, he got a second. So who knows? You know, the conditions will suit him. It's. Mobile screen's a funny thing you know it's, it's all on the day you got to execute and then it's up to the judges.
2: Yeah Steve uh, four years ago in Pyeongchang there's some of the greatest images I've ever seen not just yourself and the family but a lot of people from the central coast celebrating that moment uh, what are your plans <laughs> for next week when Matt's in action?
5: <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll, we'll be doing something in the backyard you know, with a few friends we'll put the team back together again from Pyeongchang uh, this time there'll be a few more family members and We'll see what happens. Hopefully it's um, a bit of a celebration afterwards.
2: Yeah, in Pyeongchang, I think we won more medals than we've ever won at the Winter Olympic Games. What are your expectations in Beijing? And, uh, you know, I'm just taking a look here. We've got curlers for the first time. You know, some of these winter sports... That every four years we love to watch. I think Tarley Gill and Dean Hewitt are in the curling, so they create history. But what about uh, you know Jared Hughes, who also won a medal in in Pyeongchang four years ago? Uh, what are you expecting next week? Oh, look,
5: it's it's, it's a long time, four years, and, and a lot of young guns come through and everything. Look, some of our some of our winter athletes have been doing really well on the World Cup in the lead-up qualifying events to to these games, but. Um, you know, like with Jared in particular, um, with snowboard cross, it's it's anyone's game. You get four snowboarders racing down a hill side by side. Some are natural foot, some are goofy foot, and there's shoulders and elbows going everywhere. So anything can happen in that sport. Belle Brockhoff's going work really well. Has been. Um, she was she she, she in snowboard cross four years ago. She opted to ski with no ACL in one of her knees. So she'll have a real lash this year. We've got a couple of really good aerial skiers in Danielle Scott. Um and Laura Peel. They Laura Peel's coming off a win in um, Utah a couple of weeks ago. we uh, we got Chikara Anthony in the women's moguls. She's had um, eight out of nine podiums so far on the mogul World Cup circuit. So say, look yeah, you know, it's just on the day, Steve. You know, it's um winter sports it's it's um they tend not to leave anything out there and if it doesn't go right it ends up it ends up uh, you know, could be a blown knee or, as we call it on the ski fields, a blood bucket, carted off with sea patrol or whatever. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's all or nothing in, sport, in most of those sports. So it'll be, you know, it's always good to watch. And I think that's why Australians love watching it because it is all or bust, and it's, it's a bit different to swimming up and down a black line in a pool. You know, it's, it's all action.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Steve, pleasure to have you on the show this morning. Thanks for joining us at Short Notice light Whereabouts are you right at this moment? Oh,
5: we're probably halfway between Greenpoint. We've drifted a bit because there's a little bit of breeze
2: coming up there. We're halfway between Greenpoint
5: and Saratoga. Probably closer to Saratoga than Greenpoint now. Just drifting while we've been talking to because we've got the motor shut down. Um, yeah. The V8's a bit noisy to have that going in the background, but um, we'll get back into it now. We've filled it up with water, so we'll, we'll get the surfboards out
2: and make a few waves and surf out the back of the boat. Yeah, yeah, living the dream on this Saturday morning. Steve Graham, (laughs) thanks for joining us. This is uh, Saturdays on the Coast. We'll talk some more Winter Olympics in just a few moments. Tori Pendergast is joining us, uh, Paralympian, and she sent me a text this week. A lot of the same names Steve just mentioned she thinks will uh, feature heavily in Beijing in the next week. We'll also catch up with David Hall. We'll talk some tennis. Uh, Wow. I mean, have you warmed Medvedev? What are your thoughts about him, Burko?
3: Yeah, it's, it's hard to warm to him. He's very, he's very bland, but very gives nothing away until he just seems to be one of those characters that always looks to gain an edge and try and to di- divert the attention away from himself.
2: Yeah, in a few moments we're going to play some audio because he teed off at the umpire last night, and he'll face Nadal. What a story. And Nadal in tears, chasing his 21st major, which is just mind-blowing. So we'll take a quick break here. We're back in just a moment. Saturdays on the Coast, live from the Country Cricket Championships at Tugra on SEN.
1: BJ Howes Metal Land. The Coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track.
2: Yeah, good morning. Uh, welcome back. We're live from the McDonald's Country Championships at Tugra and uh, I can feel that breeze that Steve Graham just mentioned a moment ago. It feels like a light, maybe sou easterly at the moment where we are. Uh, Gary, the guru, Birkinshaw, alongside us. I think we're seeing the coin toss as we speak. Yeah,
3: toss the coins going on you know, here at the moment. And as you mentioned there, the wind did pick up. They had the uh, excavators going here yesterday over on the, the development work they're doing here at Tugra and it just created a nice little dust storm for the other, other field. But... Uh, now, I think it would be a, a toss that'll be pretty keenly won by both teams. I, I reckon they'd like to bat on it first. I think it would be the, the go here. So we we'll just see if we can get any indication from uh, from either the captain. They're not giving too much away at the moment. So. You could
2: shout out to your son, Scotty Birkinshaw, and uh, no, the
3: bowling. Central Coast, the bowling.
2: Yeah. So, so obviously Central North will have won the toss and uh, for our list, for our listeners, Guru, who've never been here, uh, describe what we've got here at Tugra, and also tell us about the new development.
3: Right, so Tugger's facility's probably been open now. I think around two years. I think it might have been open, and they've got uh, got quite a number of field. from a cricket perspective. There's actually four cricket grounds here, four turf wickets on there. That uh, the, the one ground we're on, where we're on sitting right now, is it's built per purpose built for AFL. Uh, the three other grounds where there's cricket wickets on them, they're actually they're just really open open areas that they can play any different sports or whatever. Which is the whole idea of the, the complex. It is about getting country championships and regional events of all different sports. They've had archery here, they've had baseball, softball, obviously the, the, the main winter codes, cricket, obviously the, the main summer code and they're actually doing some work now that the the main rectangular field when they actually built it actually had a uh, just had it, I suppose. A, a, a hump in the middle of it, I suppose. So they're actually flattening that out, and and there's an area now. They're just going to asphalt the the part behind the amenities block, just to they're going to put outdoor netball and basketball courts, and that'll also be used for overflow car parking. So obviously, I suppose the last couple of years it's been probably well known, or probably more known, especially because it actually hosted the New Zealand Warriors. For so they they had two years here and the Melbourne Rebels. They spent one year here while whilst they're all in. Um, during the the lockdown periods of the of both the NRL and the in the Super Rugby.
2: Yeah, I would have liked to have played AFL on this field, but I also would have liked a grandstand with uh, you know thousands of people cheering us on. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, I suppose it's one thing they've only they've only ever played
3: one AFL game here, and, they, and, I, and I can't see how many more that they'll actually play. Because if you look at the main AFL ground, one thing it does miss is is a facility here. Like the change rooms are, you know, be a hundred hundred fifty metres away, um, and it's it just sort of it's just. It, it it's in its infancy. Like you look around the trees, no no shade. You're playing here in, in some of, there's no big trees yet for shade, but that, to give that time it'll it'll will really develop into a um into a really good facility. And from a cricket perspective, Steve, we're we're so grateful to have it. We don't have grounds like this on the on the Central Coast, and we're able to actually now compete with other areas around the state that actually have these these facilities. And, and when you're looking at carnivals, to have four turf wickets in the one area where you're not driving around. you know The selectors there love it there, the organizers love it. So we will continue to get good carnivals
2: here you know, for years to come. Hey, Burko, we need to get to our next guest, and uh, you know what it means. It's another standing ovation for a uh, Paralympian who joins us, the great Tori Pendergast. Good morning, and great to have you on the show. Good morning.
6: Thank you so much for having me.
2: Hey. So, uh, firstly, happy New Year to you. And uh, you know, you're one of my all-time heroes. How are you feeling with the Winter <laughs> Olympics and and also the Paralympics coming up next week?
6: It's really exciting. I think Australia has like a couple of really good medal chances um, coming up, and I think it's just going to be a, I guess, a surreal one for the athletes with the with the environment, with you know, all the restrictions and everything going on with COVID. But um, I'm happy. You know, they're going to be able to get there, compete, and. To do the country proud.
2: We spoke to Matt Graham's dad, Steve Graham, a few moments ago, so we've heard all about the update with his injury. That would be, I think I said on this show a few weeks ago, it would be worthy of a Hollywood movie if Matt Graham can pull this <laughs> off and win another medal.
6: Oh, exactly. What a journey for him to, to get that injury on the collarbone so close out have to go back to Brisbane do some intense recovery and then be back on snow. But uh, you know what, I'd pay tickets to go see it. Maybe, maybe we can get a double pass, to and go.
2: Uh, you'd have a role in there somewhere. Uh, Butes and I, we've been told we're already in the movie, we'll be the commentators in Pyeongchang. Oh, absolutely. Uh, like Dumb and Dumber. Hey, uh, Tori, <laughs> uh, just before we talk more about the Winter Games, what are you up to at the moment since you announced your retirement from sit skiing?
6: Um, to be honest, just been enjoying retired life. So um, working full time um, in a kind of operations role for a university, and then yeah, just enjoying the summer activities as well. I've been mountain biking a bit. I'm going surfing in a couple of weeks. It's it's good just to soak up the sun and just get a get a bit of um, get a bit of heat really. Uh,
2: alongside me is Gary, the Guru Birkenshaw. You can just call him Guru, and uh, he's got the next question.
3: So. So, Tori, Jakarta Anthony in the, uh, in the female mogul, she she be a good chance for a medal?
6: I think so, yeah. She's had a couple of World Cup wins. And um, just last year, she did, like, quite well as well. And this year, she's obviously got even better. So I definitely would um, say she's got a good chance for a podium. So not quite sure where, but, yeah, definitely a good chance.
2: For our listeners who never saw you in action, can you tell them about your sport where you fly down the mountain, you know, I think at close to 100 kilometres an hour. Tell them about your sport and also your Paralympic history.
6: Sure thing. So my sport is um, para-alpine skiing, particularly in the, the sitting class. So it's I'm try, I'll try and describe this the best I can. So it's like essentially um, people with like lower kind of spinal cord injuries that usually compete in this class it's it's a seat really that's molded to your shape that attaches to like a motorbike shock or it could be a mountain bike shock which acts as your knee and then that attaches to one single ski which we use kind of our um, core muscles to kind of navigate down the hill Uh, and then yeah we've got um, like the, the different disciplines so we've got like the speed disciplines where we go 100k down the hill where it's more distance between each turns and then you kind of get to the technical disciplines where um, the distance in between the gates gets less so there's more turns in a course. Um, the fastest, fastest one down the hill wins really.
2: Yeah, absolutely incredible. I can see your gobsmacked, oh, just I'm just trying to visualise it. Sorry. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just in
3: awe <laughs> of, of, of what you do. It's just amazing. So Unfortunately, I suppose that the winter, winter sports don't get the coverage, I suppose, in Australia that, it, that they probably deserve. It. But once every four years, we all become experts on, on Winter Olympics. <laughs> so for, for us uneducated, what are some of the sports that we should tune into over the next fortnight that are really going to, to make us sit up and go, wow?
6: Yeah, that's a very good question. I think um, the, the moguls, for sure, because we've got quite a strong program and really strong athletes in that whole Whole competition, so would definitely advise everyone to check that out. I mean, I'm obviously going to recommend alpine skiing because uh, I find that really, really fun as well. Um, and then border cross, I know we've got Bell Brock off, and in even in the um, Paris Snowball, we've got Ben Tudhope and they're absolutely killing it at the moment. So, would advise to watch that. And one sport, I guess, that I find is a bit, um, even a bit extreme for me is like the ski jump and the bobsled. I think they're yeah, yeah. really impressive to watch. Imagine. Jumping off this giant, giant ramp and then just praying that you're going to land correctly.
2: Yeah. And, you know, we should be incredibly proud because a young man that I coached at the Kalani Vale Bombers, Lockie Reedy, represented Australia in the four-man bobsleigh. And uh, so, yeah, and, uh, you know, he was a young man at Kalani Vale, just an outstanding character. But I never, ever thought he'd go to the Olympics. But if you see him now, like, he spent time in Canada. He learnt from some of the best over there. And now he's an absolute unit. Like, uh, what he transformed himself into through work ethic is was just amazing to see. He told some great stories about flying down the mountain. And you've got to have full faith in the pilot because it is, like, a seriously dangerous sport, Tori.
6: Oh, absolutely. I've seen some... Um I mean, I haven't seen it in person, luckily, but I've yeah seen some videos of crashes, and like you said, it can go pretty wrong. You've really got to trust the pilot and, and trust your whole team, really.
2: Yeah. Hey, uh, a final question for you because uh, we're going to get you on through the Winter Olympic Games, but uh, who oh, are some of the you. world's yeah. who are some of the world stars that we should keep an eye on?
6: It depends what discipline. I think, like in the in the skiing world, you've got the the likes of Michaela Schifrin, but then Dave Riding just came back from a. A World Cup win in Europe, so he's he could like really do something for the UK and pull out a pull out a podium. I think that would be pretty cool for them because they don't, you know, getting a medal is very similar <laughs> to Australia in terms of doesn't come around too often. Um, and then yeah, for the para disciplines, especially with the Paralympics in March, I think Ben Tadhope is the one to watch. He's been he's such a young kid as well, so he's got such a bright future ahead of him. Um, and he's been doing well throughout the season. I think you met yeah, Jakarta Anthony, Matt Graham and then um also on the border cross side we've got um Bell Brockoff for the women's and then I think yeah there might might be so I know some like other competitors like Adam Lambert. Um he'll probably get a top ten. So those some those are some great athletes to watch. I think they're they're going really well this season, so everything's kinda of lining up perfectly for them.
2: Yeah, fantastic! Uh, I tell you, so good to have you on the show. The great Tori Pendergast, Paralympian, joining us, and also a uh, member of the Danica Clark Foundation family. Loved having you in the in the foundation as a scholarship holder. Tori, great to speak to you. And our people will talk to your people about next week. Uh, you being a regular expert feature on the show.
6: Oh, thank you! Can't wait.
2: <laughs> Tory Pendergast <laughs> joining us We're off to a quick break on Saturdays on the Coast We're around about 13 minutes away from the first ball being bowled in anger and the Central Coast will bowl this morning uh, here at the Country Championships Back in just a moment Saturdays on the Coast on SEN
1: BJ Howes Metalland, The Coast's tradies choice for tools steel, gas Visit BJHowes.com.au You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track
2: yeah, welcome back. We're live at Tugra, the McDonald's Country Championships. The Central Coast boys in action uh, in just a few moments' time. The Central Coast will bowl. Uh, give us another preview of this game, Guru Gary Birkinshaw, alongside me, filling in for Michael Butner.
3: Yeah, look at. Um as I said, There's no easy games in these country champs. are coming across the central north side, they've actually won the toss and batted. So that, that's that's pretty good for them. It's a, it looks like a pretty decent wicket out there. So the central coast, they'll um, they'll need to bowl. Well, they'll look to take early wickets and um, and then really put the pressure on the middle order of the the central north batting lineup. But uh, yeah, they. Uh, so this is the game we actually lost last year. So they'll be looking for a good performance to
2: back up yesterday. So we're on the northern field. What about Newcastle? What are they up to this morning? So Newcastle,
3: they're playing on, on the on the front field up there. They're playing against uh, Central North, which should be a. Uh, uh, sorry, they're playing against North Coast. It should be a decent game. Newcastle had a big win yesterday over over Central North. So they you know, they won it seventeen times. Newcastle the country championship. So they are the side <coughs> to beat. Uh, Central Coast beaten for the first time ever in these country championships last year. Um, so North Coast were good yesterday. Whether they can back it up again today, um, you know, it would be, to be seen. But uh, you would expect that Newcastle would probably win that. They won with a, a bonus point yesterday. So, so you know, Central Coast will be looking for a good performance today to try and keep in touch with them.
2: For our listeners who missed last year the win against Newcastle, that was absolutely phenomenal. And there were a couple of players down the order that, I mean, they played the knock. That will last for decades to come. People will still talk about that afternoon. Yeah, look, it was an amazing game. We,
3: we come come out. We were very deflated, I suppose, from the game against uh, Central North the day before a game we probably should have won. And and they've come out and we, we batted first, and they, we were six for sixty in all sorts of trouble. And uh, and Dylan Robertson and, and Harry Woodhead Wood come out and batted, and uh, it was some of the best performances <laughs> that. Uh, that I've actually uh, seen them bat and, and they managed to get us up to around 170 runs and then Kane Harmsworth come out with the ball and was just, it was unplayable and uh, at one stage it looked like we were going to bowl them out for, for less than 70, which what we needed to do to get the bonus point and probably get us into the final but they ended up sneaking over and I think they got about 100 in the end and we bowled them out and had a, had a, had a big win which was... A really, really good performance, and probably it's, it spoke volumes for, for the character of the players on the side that even when they were down, they'd actually still be able to fight out. And, and you know, see, in Dylan Robinson now, he's, a, he's our reigning Alan Davidson medalist, medalist as player of the year in our competition, and his cricket's just gone from strength to strength. And uh, look, like, you know, there's a, there's a country side we pick later in the year, and I, I would strongly think that, that Dylan Robinson should be in that
2: side. He's a fantastic player. Did he miss out last year?
3: For some known yeah, reason, yeah, 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 there uh, needs
2: to be a Spanish uh, inquiry. Uh, there it was be. a travesty of justice.
3: Your standout player in the in the competition because uh, if you go back to the first day, you actually come out and batted extremely well there. Where they actually put in, him and Harry again put on 120 in the last 10 overs. Yes. It. So he he can he come he dug him when we needed to, but he could also in the innings he's a left-arm spinner and took wickets. So how he's the best player in the carnival. I'm not sure how he didn't get picked, but better people than me uh, select those sides, Steve.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I'm not happy. You know. <laughs> You know, Spanish Inquisition, that's what I'm saying. Hey, I noticed uh, Woodhead yesterday caught by uh, Richie Gallagher. Yeah, Richie played. So for those who don't know, Richie, uh, he played
3: uh, for Narara, Wyoming, here on the Central Coast. He's a very, very good golfer. Richie, So he's now moved up to Coffs Harbour and uh, he, he's played now for, for North Coast. He's actually captain's North Coast, so he's played for North Coast for a number of years now. So he opened the batting, he got 27 yesterday and uh, uh, he had a bit of a bowl as well. So it's great that he's uh, that he, he comes back home and uh, we get a chance to watch him play cricket again.
2: Hey Guru, 45 seconds before we head toward the news, but no real surprise. Sydney Sixers decimated through uh, players with COVID. I think they scraped a team together. Uh, we had a, a central coast player in the side last night, um, you know, which was great to see. But uh, they went down to the scorches. Yeah, we actually had two in the side last year. For the, last night for the six, we had Justin
3: Justin Evandano, obviously from from Matchaman. He's, he's probably been in the news a bit, Justin, because he actually was the player they keep talking in the Steve Smith uh, uh, saga at the um, you know, two sides. But, no, look, they did really well, the six. I think their, their final was actually on the on the Wednesday night. So, but uh, good to see Central Coast represented.
2: Yeah, off to the news. We're back in a few moments with uh, this guy was awesome last week. David Hall, wheelchair tennis legend, is next on Saturdays on the Coast.
1: BJ Howes Medaland, The Coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast with Steve Allen and Michael Butner on SEN Track.
2: Yeah, welcome back live to Tugra. It's the McDonald's Country Championships and the Central Coast team in action as we speak. Looking forward to this match. Uh, we're into the second over up against Central Northern. It's live streamed as well, so if you can't get here today, you might want to check it out on the live stream. Hey, you feeling, Berko? uh, Your son, Scotty, bowling the second over. Yeah, look, he's uh, he bowled well yesterday. He's um, bowling with with decent
3: pace at the moment. He's, he's probably probably the fittest I reckon I've seen him in in a while. He's uh, he spends a lot of time at the gym. I think like a lot of young blokes nowadays. But uh, no, he's enjoying his cricket. He loves playing at this level and. Uh, been lucky enough to been selected in New South Wales country and he's made the Australian countryside a couple of times. So, but he really enjoys it at this level. So, yeah,
2: so at this level, he's one of the best bowlers in the country, as you yeah. just said. And I haven't got the radar gun out there, but I reckon Scotty's throwing these down around between yeah. 120 and yeah. 130. Yeah. yeah, that would be pretty close to the mark. He's uh. He's been—he uh, was clocked in his younger. Oh,
3: chance of running out of there. But he's been clocked. He got in the mid one thirties when in his younger days. He went and down. He actually had a great experience for a number of years, where he actually, especially in the World Cup, of T—not the T20, the 50-over World Cup. He actually got to be a net bowler for um for Australia, and um, he also did Zimbabwe, and he got clocked in the mid-130s at a Zimbabwe training session, so he's yeah he's had some good good experiences through his cricket. He's been lucky enough to go to England a couple of times, so he's, he's done pretty well for himself.
2: Yeah, fantastic. So, no wickets as yet. Who are the openers, Berko, for this uh, team that they're playing this morning? And uh, I know you've quickly gone to your phone, so it's Central Coast versus Central Northern. Tomorrow is the one we're all looking forward to, Central Coast up against the Juggernaut, that is Newcastle that game
3: gets underway at 9.30 yeah so we've got so Simon Norville's a non-striker but uh, the other bloke is an, is an interesting player he's a young bloke by the name of Michael Rees and yesterday he hit 40 off 17 balls against uh, Newcastle at the top of the order so he hit some big sixes so it'll be interesting to see how uh, how he goes if, if he's going to take the same uh, approach um, for this game and, uh, oh, yeah. oh no he's just been bowled
2: yeah Scotty Birkenshaw with the first wicket of the day and he's knocked him over great stuff from the northern end here at Tugra Yeah, look, and that, the intention was certainly there. He didn't leave
3: anything behind with uh, having a, a shot at that one as well, but uh, Scotty, a good ball hit the top of off stump, so it's a good start for the Central Coast. That's what they needed, and uh, and look, hopefully they'll continue on from that, and Scotty will be pretty happy as well. Yeah, does that make you all warm and fuzzy? Oh, it does. Yeah, look, it's, it's like anyone with with yeah you, know, you and your you know, your boys in that water parlor and things like that. Yeah, you, know, you just, you really hope they do well. Like You sit back and you, you admire what they do, but yeah, I feel when they do well, you do well, so it's it's good.
2: Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's go to our first uh, first guest of this second hour, and it's the legendary David Hall. And uh, you know what's happening? We're standing as one. It's another standing ovation. Uh, this man was a gold medalist in the Paralympics, four time Paralympian to be. Uh, uh to be exact and uh David Hall joins us again this morning uh David wow what a week in tennis I thought the Canadian was going to knock over Medvedev on Thursday night Ash Barty through to the final I think it's the first time in about four decades we've got an Aussie woman in the final and just can't wait for tonight and of course mate the doubles as well uh how have you enjoyed the last week
7: well, that, that is the absolute crazy thing that there's just been so many storylines, you know, just within the last seven days. I mean, you look at the doubles uh, with the, the Kokonakis and Kyrgios up against Edson and, and Max Purcell, the Coastie. Uh, it, it's just, it's incredible. I mean, Max turned pro uh, when he was 18. He's been out on tour for five years. He spent a lot of time up in Terrigal and working in Wild with, uh, with Nathan Healy. Uh, it's, but he's just, he's grinded it out. And I think as, as Australians, you know, that's what we love. We love a grinder. And he's had you know, more success in doubles than he has in singles. But Max, you know, Max is a character. Uh, he did, I remember he told the ATP Tour website that uh, his worst qual- quality was the size of his nose. Uh, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> but,
5: <laughs>
7: so, and even I was watching the press conference that the boys did uh, after they won their doubles, uh, semi, that they were, they were kind of, him and Ebden were kind of getting back and forth into it with, with one, one of the journalists. And I think one of the journalists was trying to bait him. He was trying to bring up, interestingly, a cricket analogy with who in this final between Kokonakis and Curios and, and you guys, will be Australia, and who will be Australia eight? So he was really trying to bait him as to who's going to be the underdog, and I think
6: you know Purcell's got a he's
7: got a bit of an edge to him, and I and I think he kind of jokes, well, that's kind of the silliest question of all time, and I think it's there's a really interesting dynamic here because you've got. Almost like the popular, exciting boy band that is Kokonakis and Curios, And then you've got the, the under-the-radar, workmanlike team of, of Ebden and, and, and Max Purcell. So it's going to be an interesting uh, doubles final. But yeah, that's just one of many storylines the last seven
2: days. Yeah, I tell you, and all week, Kyrios has upset people. There was almost a skirmish back in the change rooms. And uh, Adam back at headquarters has got some audio. This is what the Kiwi player had to say after facing Kyrgios.
6: At his maturity level is about, <clears throat> it's probably being generous to a 10-year-old to say that it's about at that level. You know, they'll always be his supporters, and he'll always spin it in a way that, that helps him. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, he's just an absolute knob.
2: Yeah, so uh great stuff. Uh that's Michael Venus by the way. Uh what are your what are your thoughts David of uh Kyrgios this week? Everyone that's come across him uh has uh hasn't been too flattering. I, I think one of the comments was enjoy the flight home to Europe boys. Uh you know. Uh, but let's look at bums on seats. The biggest crowds for doubles that we've yep. ever seen.
7: Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, it's uh, whenever you get athletes that are polarizing, you get uh, the public that either love them or hate them. And you're exactly right, Steve. Like, it does. It puts bums on seats. And I think maybe there's a percentage of the crowd that wants to see Kyrgios lose uh, because they don't like his antics. And... I mean, look, I'm sure if you talk to Nuke or, you know, Kenny Rosewell or fiery Fred Stolly, you know, those guys were more along the, you know, we leave it all at, out on the court, we'll go and have a beer, but we'll kind of keep it at a certain level, you know, the drama. Um, and, yeah, there is a respect issue there, I think, in the locker room. If you don't respect your fellow players, I think that is a problem. But it just seems that you know, whenever Kyrgios gets in front of a microphone and he always has something to say, which is great for the media and probably great to get bums on seats and, and to get viewers uh, on the TV. But I think in the locker room, that's where you really see the division.
2: Hey, David, I'm going to ask you about Ash Barty in a moment, but just an observation from the country cricket. I reckon Patterson is putting the thunder on here. He's bowling from the southern end, but the wicket is around about 20 metres back behind the stumps. I think Patterson's really uh, laying down some 130-plus overs here.
3: Yeah, look, he's bowling. Uh, he's bowling quite well here. He's uh, probably he's bowling into the wind. He was whinging yesterday that he had to bowl into the wind and up up. So he's just sort of yeah. He's, he's coming there. It Looks like he's lengthened his run up a little bit also. So he's, I think he's leaving nothing yeah, behind. you right.
2: Looks like the Dennis Lilly run up to me, and here he comes in again, steaming in from the southern end. Uh, it's blocked, and they thought about a run, but uh, no run there. So uh, great stuff from the Central Coast team. They've already taken one wicket, taken by Scotty Birkinshaw at the Country Championships. All right, David Hall. The Bardi party up against the number 27 seed in the world, Danielle Collins from the USA.
7: Uh, The pressure will be enormous for Ash. Like this is, I mean, we are talking about not only her own career, but she is essentially playing for history, like being the first Australian uh, to win the women's singles in 44 years. I mean, that is a long time. But look, Ash, she hasn't blinked in two weeks. She hasn't lost a set. In fact, no set that she's played has even gone close to a tiebreaker. She's just been dominating everyone. But, look, the tricky thing for her is that Collins, uh, she's got massive firepower. And I think even though Ash leads the head-to-head 3-1, if anyone saw that semi-final that Danielle Collins played against Swiatek, uh, she demolished Swiatek. And I think that's, That could be a problem for Ash because Collins is streaky like she can rip off five games worth of winners but then she can hit three games worth of errors like you never know exactly what you're going to get and to be honest Collins is playing with house money like no one expected her to get to this point she's going to walk away with a million and a half dollars regardless all the pressure is going to be on Ash but I think if Ash serves well she should be okay but if she ends up hitting a lot of second serves, uh, Collins is going to vaporise that second serve, and that, that could be a problem uh, for Barty. But look, she's done amazingly well these, these two weeks, and to make a home uh, Grand Slam final is, is an achievement, but she's, she's, going to want, she's going to want one more really good match.
2: Hey, I think I saw in the Daily Telegraph today, Ash Barty's earning around about, well, over $100,000 per hour around about two thousand dollars per minute that's how quick some of her games have been this week you know a really good trivia question who was the last aussie woman to win the australian open final i'll answer it for you uh and you might be able to elaborate here david chris o'neill so the year was 1978 and chris o'neill born just up the road in newcastle you
7: know, it's incredible. Like, when you think about it, that it, it has actually taken this long. I know Wendy Turnbull made a final uh, in the early 80s. And, look, we've had, obviously, a lot of good players the last couple of decades. I mean, we've had, you know, Alicia Mollick and Sam Stozer And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of potentially Aussie players that could have made a run. Uh, obviously, Ash, the last few years. But as I said before, if you make a final in a slam, it's it's an amazing achievement, but to do it at home actually adds another layer of pressure, and I think that's the that's the big part of it. You can do well at Roland Garros, you can win Wimbledon, you can do well at the US Open, but to actually do it on home soil in front of your own countrymen and family and friends and the media attention, because that, that's ramped up as well when you're at home obviously, but but if anyone can do it, I think Ash can.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I'm i ashamed to admit I don't remember Chris O'Neill, but I do remember her opponent. She beat Betsy Nagelson on the grass, uh, Betsy from the USA, 6-3, 7-6. In the tiebreaker, it was 7-3. How about you, Guru? You remember those days? I definitely remember Wendy Turnbull.
3: Yeah, I do actually remember Chris O'Neill. Believe it or not, I actually do remember. I used to, I think... When, what year was it again? So 44 years ago. 78. 78, so it would have been around 12, 13 years, mate. So all of a sudden, yeah, I do, do actually remember sitting up and watching the. It used to be the big thing in Australia. It was on the grass. It was, it was yeah, really the old-fashioned tennis. It was um, you know, the serve volley. It was, it was good. I do remember actually winning that, yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, David, are you able to stay with us just a little longer? We obviously want to talk to you about Medvedev versus Nadal. And Nadal, wow, you know, a real opportunity here for 21. Can you stay for a few moments longer? Yeah,
7: no worries, guys. It's been my pleasure.
2: Yeah, the great David Hall, what a legend. Uh, Paralympic gold medalist in Sydney 2000, uh, number one in the world for about six years straight. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEM. We're back in just a moment.
1: BJ Howes Medaland, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEM Track.
2: Live at the country championships, blue skies and sunshine and a light breeze at the moment and a real arm wrestle at the moment. Can you give us a score update, Burko? So your son, Scotty, took the first wicket. He's bowling right now from the northern end. But a little fight back here on this Saturday morning from their opponents at the country championships, Central Northern uh, they hit a four a moment ago. Uh, give us an update, Perko. Yeah, look, we're in the sixth, uh, sixth over here, and Tentra North
3: lost uh, Michael Reeves out early for two, ball by, by Scott Perkins. They're now one for 24 in the sixth over, and Simon Norville, who's, who's batting there now, he's um, moving along quite nicely. He's 17 off 17 balls, and interesting with Simon, he actually had a season on the Central Coast playing for uh, Rimba. So he's an aggressive opening bat and he's he's a veteran of these cars. He's been around quite a few times, but he's uh he's hit some nice boundaries this morning.
2: Seventeen of seventeen. Is he the batsman that looks a bit like Inzam Al Haq? That's him, yes. So yep. doesn't yep. doesn't like to run too much and uh just a bit of a swashbuckler.
3: Yeah, no, he's he's a he's a, he likes hitting the ball hard, but he he his his technique's pretty good and uh I think yeah, Central Coast would be glad to get him oh. out, and he got him out. A big appeal for court behind. Nice, a nice bit of glove work there by Harry Woodhead behind the stumps. But uh, yeah. no, look, uh, both Scott and uh, Alex Patterson are bowling pretty well to start with, and uh, it's a good contest at the
2: moment. Hey, you're sounding like the whispering Ted Low. Do I need to drop yes. the volume a touch? No, mate, they love you, Steve. You're you're the voice of the case. You know that. Yeah. Hey, uh, let's quickly go back to the studio. Adam Staples is there in the Women's Ashes. What's the latest? Yeah, guys, uh, great show by the way. It's great to hear Gary. Uh, on for Buttes. <laughs> Maybe you should do that more often, boys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Buttes,
7: Sorry, if you're listening. But uh, in the uh, in the women's ashes, nine declared for 337, obviously, the Aussies. But in reply, England have started back. They're eight for 253 still with Heather Knight on 139 and Sophie Ecclestone on 31. So she's really resurrected the innings for England there. And they trail now only by 84
3: runs with two
2: wickets remaining. Yeah, beautiful job, Adam. Uh, love it. Well, what are your thoughts, Guru?
3: Yeah, look, I think Australia really set the um, set the, the test match up with a with a really aggressive first day, and if they lost those two wickets in uh, in quick succession, they fought back well. But you've got to give England full credit. At one stage, they were they were nine for eight for one hundred and sixty nine, so they've actually nearly put on a century partnership for the for the ninth wicket to really get them back, and, and they might get back within you know, obviously less than less than a hundred runs, and uh, keeps the, keeps the game going. But the pressure's on England now. They've got to force the game now because they're actually they, they lost the t twenty because the Ashes are decided over a combination of points in the t. <coughs> 20 the test and also the one day game so they can't afford they, they need points out of this game
2: uh, how do you feel about the women's ashes being snubbed by commercial tv yeah
3: it's a um it's, it's a strange decision to be perfect to be perfect i'm not sure what not sure why or how or whatever the, the women's cricket has just got Now, you know following off the women's big bash which was such a success for for everyone involved to turn around then and not do follow that up with a with um, with the with the World Cup, which, which when it was held in Australia, created so much interest. Yes, I, I just didn't. It just seemed a strange decision to me. But you know,
2: yeah, it's, it's, it's a financial decision. There's no doubt about that. But couldn't you know. agree more. It's a slap in the face. Your son Scotty is bowling that quick this morning that if Woodhead misses it, the the keeper, the ball would end up at Bunnings, <laughs> which is about a kilometre away. Oh. Hey, uh, we're about to go back to David Hall, Paralympic gold medalist in wheelchair tennis. But first, let's roll in some audio of Medvedev, who's teed off at the chair umpire last night at the Australian Open. is incredible audio absolutely incredible I mean if he smashed a racket it's uh taken us back to the 1970s and John McEnroe yeah look that's that's amazing audio
3: and I gotta I mean got to, got to admit, I just yeah it's just hard to to <laughs> fathom how how that gets accepted like and the umpire just didn't accept it. he just sat there and it was just he's not coaching he's not coaching but yeah, he just kept going and going yeah. and going
2: and um it was yeah. You know, yeah, I just, I just found it, it was hard to watch, to be honest. Well, I told you uh, before we came on the air about my son playing in the national league water polo. He had three teammates red carded during the week in a match, and some of it was for dissent against the officials. Now, that's the highest level of the sport, the Australian Open, and it's a semi-final, and you're allowed to carry on like that. Uh, I just, it's a really bad look. But let's go to the expert, David Hall. David, what were your thoughts last night? And I mean, Gary, you can sympathise in a way about this whole coaching from the stands, but, David, you're the expert. How did you see it?
7: I think it's just... It's pressure.
2: And I think there are players...
7: You could say Murray, like, he will yell at his box. Uh, Players will yell at the umpire, like what Medvedev uh, did last night. I think players will bottle it and they'll deal with it internally and and they won't say boo like Ash Barty or Federer Uh, but at some point that pressure just gets released and I think in the heat of a Grand Slam semi that Medvedev just his gasket just blew and yeah you're right like I haven't I haven't seen anything like that since Johnny Mac uh, back in the 80s and like a player will get angry at an umpire but it'll last you know 10-20 seconds uh that was like that was like two minutes of of just frustration pressure uh and he obviously thought Pitsipas was getting coached uh, by his father I mean and that's a whole nother issue and I think you know the Greek player he has had issues with that in the past about getting uh, warnings for illegal coaching, and I think Medvedev was just set up. He got he got a warning from the from the umpire for uh, audible obscenity, and I think that snapped him. And that being in that pressure moment of a Grand Slam semi, you know, knowing that he's he's a few good sets away from being in the final, and I think it just it's like a, a boulder rolling downhill. It just gathers momentum, and when he started, he just couldn't stop. And, yeah, you're right. Look, the average sports fan looks at that on the TV and thinks, how, how did you get away with that? But, look, in tennis, you will get away with a lot. And it's only afterwards that the ATP or the Grand Slam committee will come down on you later on. Like, you might get a fine after the tournament or whatever it is. I mean, even there could be a suspension uh, down the track. But, yeah, that was... I mean, it was riveting to watch... But, yeah, for an average sports fan, it's, it's hard to fathom.
3: Yeah, David, it, it raises a bit of a question, doesn't it? It's something that, that has been written about and spoken about uh, in recent times, and that is around coaching. And, and should it be permitted? Is, is that something that you, you can see moving forward, that, that coaching will become part of tennis?
7: Uh, look, I mean, I, I just I think tennis is one-on-one, and I think that's the beauty of tennis. I, I, I've always said that it's like a battle... And, you know, we've talked about it before, Steve, like, you know, boxing. Like, you get in a ring and it's it's like one-on-one. And I think that's the beauty of tennis, that you have to work it out. You have to figure it out. Like, you might lose the first set. You might go down two sets. But it's up to you to work out, how am I going to get out of this match? How am I going to turn things around? And I think if you bring in coaching, which I think the WTA, uh, the women's tour, has done, a coach can come on the court at the end of a set and, and you get a little coaching session. Uh, but I think, yeah, I just, I think they should leave it as is. I just like that, that one-on-one battle. And look, Davis Cup, Fed Cup, you've got the team captains, coach on, on the side of the court and they can help out the players. But yeah, I just, I just think, and, and look, it is hard to police when you've got someone in the stands speaking their native tongue to the player Does the umpire know what they're saying? Can the umpire hear it over the noise of the crowd? You know, it is a bit of a bag of snakes. You never exactly know who's getting coached and what they're saying. But I just like the fact that tennis is one-on-one without any any on-court coaching.
2: Yeah, well, tomorrow night, Rafael Nadal. Can you believe he's got a chance to surpass both Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic? With Grand Slam number 21, and 13 of those have come on the clay at Roland Garros. You know, it's been a pleasure to watch his career. Uh, We've lived in an era where I never thought, you know, after watching Beyond Borg, uh, Jimmy Connors, those kind of players, uh, Boom Boom Becker. uh, You know, we saw Pete Sampras, the great Pete Sampras. And now we've got these three guys that are just unbelievable. That's the other thing, David, is this has been a tournament without Djokovic, but we've unearthed a couple of Italians that have reached the pointy end. There's two Canadians. So, you know, there's some countries that have really raised their hand that they could be top five or top ten players for years to come.
7: Yeah, that's right, Steve. And look, tennis is the world game. I think they've done a great job the last few decades of, of trying to bring tennis to different countries uh, that wouldn't traditionally be a tennis power. But look, I think for, for Rafa, as soon as Novak was deported before the tournament, I think that to Rafa was like chum in the water. Like he smelt blood. And he was like, this is my golden chance to get 21 slams. This is my best chance to win another Australian Open to get to that, that magical 21 number and, and to get one ahead of, of Novak and, and Roger. And, and you got to say, look, he's going to go into this as the favourite, into this final against Medvedev. He, he leads the head-to-head, 3-1. Uh, like, a lot of those matches have been close. They've gone the distance, but... You know, it's funny. I always think of Rapper as like the raging bull uh, that just muscles his way around the core, and he's like that—you know—that mafia, like in the movies when the mafia sends <laughs> the, the, you know, the the heavy around to 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 pick up the collection money. From, yeah, from the businesses, like that. Standover that's guy. Yeah. yeah, he's the standover guy, and he's going to try and stand <clears throat> over Medvedev and dominate those rallies. And I'm telling you, if Medvedev doesn't Keep his calm, and run like the wind for five sets. Then, then this will be, this will be Rafa's match to lose. I, t-
2: I tell you, Medvedev will blow up. There's no doubt about that. Particularly with the amount of time that Nadal takes between points, because he's got that. You know, he moves the headband around. Uh, everything he does is meticulous, but he takes forever. Uh, and he has been known to take some breaks during the match. So oh, I reckon Medvedev could absolutely blow it. Hey, give us your prediction. So tonight, Ash Barty uh, in straight sets, hopefully?
7: Oh yes, I would love it in straight sets. I think it'll be biting fingernails time if it actually does go to three. But look, I think Collins will get hot. She'll get streaky for a set, so she might win a set. But I think Ash, Ash will win in three. As for the men look it is hard to go past Rafa he's he hasn't spent a lot of time on court but you know Lily's body is 10 years older than Medvedev so if this actually goes four <laughs> sets five sets and the rallies are brutal like, like I could see Medvedev winning but if I'm going to tip anyone uh, and if I actually do put some money down I would say Rafa to win
2: yeah beautiful beautiful oh what about the doubles
7: Oh, look, you know what? I would love to see Purcell and Ebbsen win. Like, look, I understand, I understand the crowds. I understand the boy bandish of Kokonakis and Curios. like, get the popularity. But, man, I'm, I'm for the battler. Like, I'm for the working man that just
4: yeah, gets yeah. it
7: done with a minimum of fuss. And I think, and this is, this is the thing, for these guys, they're, they're really very good players in doubles and that success can propel them in singles. And I think that'd be like like that. That'd be like, really fantastic as well.
2: Yeah, beautiful stuff. Uh, we're very, very late for the news. Uh, we're getting the wind up from our producer, Adam Staples. So we, we rise as one. It's another standing ovation for David Hall. And Guru, now you can see why I've been moving a motion for Central Coast Council for a statue of David Mm-hmm. At Bunchy Woy. Yeah, look, his record is unbelievable.
3: That is just an amazing one. Just one thing, day before we finish, Dylan Alcott finished his remarkable tennis career uh, during the week. Of course, he finishing runner-up. But what a, great, uh, what a great career he has and a great ambassador he's been for the sport.
7: Yeah, that's right. Look, he is in the quad division, which is very different from main draw, uh, where the vast majority of the wheelchair players play. But, look, I just want to mention, just real quick, Shingo Kunida, who won the men's singles, number one in the world, has dominated wheelchair tennis for, for 15 years. Problem is Tennis Australia puts his final against Alfie Hewitt from Great Britain out on core eight, out near the tram tracks. And I think if you're going to showcase wheelchair tennis at the slams, you've got to put the men's final, the women's final and the quad final on show courts. If you're going to showcase the best of what a sport is, then I think you've got to do it the right way.
2: Yeah, well said. Well said. And let's hope that filters back to the highest level. Thanks again, David. We'll talk soon. Good on you, boys. The great David Hall. What an absolute legend. We're off to a break. We're running horribly late for the news. Back in just a few moments, we'll talk some junior golf with Jack Steed, coming up next on SEN.
1: BJ House Metalland, the coast's tradies choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhouse.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN track.
2: Yeah, good morning. What a beautiful day on the Central Coast. We're live at Tugra and we're at the McDonald's Country Cricket Championships. Uh, Gary, the guru, Birkinshaw. We're watching his son, Scotty, bowl from the northern end. Scotty took the first wicket. Little fight back from Central Northern. What's the latest? So they are uh, one for 38 in the 10th over.
3: So they lost the early wicket of Michael Rees for two when the score was four. So they've actually come back pretty well. Simon Norville, very good player. He's 25, not out. And uh, Tom Fitzgerald, seven, not out. So that uh, it's... It- both sides wouldn't be too disappointed where they're at. The central north have fought back really well, but at the end of the at ten in the 10th over, they're one for 40, still less than uh, four runs and over. So on a very... It's a good wicket, fast outfield, so... Um I think um, we're going to have a change. But Lachlan Corks from Southern Spirits coming on to bowl. He's a medium pacer, um, a young kid on debut, his first carnival, and he's had a fantastic local competition. He's leading the player of the
2: year, so he's um, he's done really, really well and a really good good young, young kid as well. Uh, feels like the breeze is picking up slightly here. What about the other match that's taking place at the moment? Uh, I'll let you bring that up on your phone as we go to our next guest. Uh, last week we had this young guy on our show, and he did a, a superb job. Uh, Jack Steed from Jack Newton Golf. Good morning, mate. And uh, last week, what a fantastic junior tournament. We actually saw a hole-in-one on the uh, par three tenth. Yeah, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me back on. Um, that was an unbelievable
0: shot. It wasn't just a hole-in-one by Bailey Leaf from Cumberland. It was actually a hole-in-one on the first shot of the tournament. His first shot. It was only downhill from there, unfortunately. <laughs> but... Yeah, he did what a lot of us wish we could do and get a hole-in-one, par 3, 10th at Shelly Beach.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you were like Nostradamus. You were hoping for a hole-in-one. But uh, we also, we had an eagle. Uh, I think it was on the 15th, which is the par 5 from memory. Uh, I feel like, personally, if you're playing well, it's it's a pretty easy par 5. But we had an eagle on that hole? Yeah, we sure did. It was an eagle, but... From a 10-year-old. <laughs> Makes
0: a bit oh. different. The whole out, 133 <laughs> metres. Um,
2: oh. He was stoked. He couldn't wipe the smile off his face. That is incredible. An eagle from a 10-year-old. And uh, what about our winners, both from Sydney? Uh, actually, one from
0: Newcastle and one from Sydney. So we had my tip last week. Harry Atkinson won the boys overall. Uh, that's the boy that plays right-handed and putts left-handed. Uh, so he had scores of... 70-71 for a minus-one score. And then Sahara hillman Barma from Concord Golf Club with her first Junior Masters victory. Uh, she blew the other girls away, to be honest. She had rounds of 76-76 for two over par. Uh,
2: what about Harry Atkinson? Tell us more because that was a pretty comfortable victory as well. Yeah, so Harry Atkinson's from up in
0: the Hunter, but actually he's on a scholarship at the Pimble Golf Club. Um, and he's been an up-and-coming junior with jack newton since he was around eight years old and he's just getting better and better with age he's had a few issues with his putting which is which has seen him go to the left hander, but since he's done that um he's only getting better and definitely a name to keep a lookout for in the future tournaments in the amateur ranks
2: yeah don't tell me a teenager with the yips sure surely not hey uh jack uh 20 golfers from the central coast how did we go we went
0: really well. We definitely used our local knowledge to our advantage. We had uh, Desiree Herden from Shelley Beach. She won the girls 16 years and over. Um, but probably more impressive, we had Harry Tenner from Shelley Beach. Uh, he had a minus nine net score, which for those that don't understand, is playing a lot better than what he probably should have to win the boys' 15 years net division. Uh, are you saying he beat the handicapper? Yeah, well, pretty much. He's the handicap's definitely not the same this week, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey uh, what's next for our junior golfers yeah so well the Jack Newton Junior Foundation we now head to Wagga Wagga for the Wagga Wagga Junior Masters but on the Central Coast we've actually got the Junior Pennant Series kicks off today at all the venues around the Central Coast so uh, I'd say too are probably the team to beat but uh, my local club Everglades <laughs> down in your minor and were we um, I'll be back in
3: them
2: hey Guru that's your club No, Gosford's my club. Yep,
3: so some good course around. Just a quick one though, Jack, uh, Riley Miners, who's obviously from Magenta, he had a a good performance down in the Avondale Amateur during the week.
0: Yeah, he's actually a member at Avondale as well. He played really well, um, improved the second day, which saw him make the cut, um, and he's only getting better, like all the juniors, um, and he's definitely a name to to keep a listen out for. Uh, And he's also just one of the most hard-working kids, moved to Magenta Shores so he can live on the golf course, and that's a great venue to improve and, and hopefully make a career out of it.
2: Have you kept an eye on Geordie Garner from the Central Coast, and uh, what are his plans in 2022?
0: I don't like speaking about Geordie Garner because I could never beat him when I was younger. We're the same age. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, He
0: took me to the cleaners all the time. But, uh, no, he's he's looking at turning professional um, and getting a few sponsors' invitations. He's just hard at work, Um the pennant series starts in Sydney this weekend, and, and he'll be a leading contingent for the St. Michael's Golf Club to hopefully go back-to-back.
2: Back. Hey, Jack. Uh, such a pleasure to have you on the show. Guru, any more questions? Just just one good thing. Just away from the juniors, juniors a little bit, it was great to see Nikki Garrett
3: from the Central Coast LB back in the on the Pro, pro Tour. She played yeah. uh, up in the, the Australian Women's PGR up in Queensland last week. Did reasonably well for someone who hasn't been playing a lot of golf at that level in, in recent times.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's awesome to see any Central Coast sportsmen and women um, getting back and playing. Obviously, she's had children. She's moved states to live. Uh, It's just great to see her back doing her best. And hopefully she can get back in the winner's circle like she was a couple of years ago. And what about Dimi Papadados? Oh, he hits it so far. It's it's crazy. Um, I'm sure he'll be over in Europe trying to make some some big cash like they do over there. Um, And we've also got a lot of the Asian Tour and Saudi Arabia events coming up, which I'm sure he'll be trying to do his best at.
2: Yeah, beautiful job, Jack. Such a pleasure to have you on the show, mate. And uh, we'll do it again soon. Jack Steed from Jack Newton Golf. Uh, Great to get an update on the juniors because really loved that tournament last week and watching all the juniors uh, strut their stuff, including a hole-in-one on the 10th and an eagle from a 10-year-old on the 15th at that beautiful Shelley Beach golf course. Off to a break here. We're back to wrap things up from the country championships at Tugra. right after this on SEN.
1: BJ Howes Metal Land. The coasts, tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhouse.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track.
2: Yeah, we're live from the McDonald's Country Championships here at Tugra and uh, just on the boundary here, Burko. Who's the player that's uh, right on the boundary line in the 45? So that's uh, Brett Russell, plays for the Warnervale Wildcats. He's uh, he's on
3: debut, first country championship uh, carnival for him, but he's had a fantastic year with the bat for Warnervale, and probably one of the key players in their 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 late resurgence. To, you know, sit, currently sitting in third position on the ladder, and he had a 48, 47, 48. I think he got yesterday. Batted really well in the middle order, left hander. Um, well, the one left-handed feels uh, control. i throw right-handed and left-handed. Yeah, so I was hoping
2: he'd. Hoping you do a bit of Murph Hughes work or Scotty Bowling yeah, here, yeah. Uh, maybe a few stretches. Well,
3: you get, you, you get the crowd involved. Him, yeah, you gave him the, the sort of the signal, mate, but didn't get much back so on debut, mate. They're a bit a uh, bit shy on what, the, on debut. What's the score in this match at the moment? Right, yeah. So the score at the moment, they're actually going along pretty well at the moment. Central North and uh, Simon Norwell's hitting the ball really well. He's thirty-seven not out off forty-eight balls, so they won for fifty-seven in the thirteenth over. Lochland Cork bowling uh, at the moment, so he's got uh, he's been hit for a couple a couple of boundaries by by time he's none for seventeen off uh, in his second over. So um, and, and what.
2: What about the game at the southern end of the complex with the juggernaut that is Newcastle in action? Yeah, so North Coast they won the toss and they are batting, and
3: they're the moment they're two for 42 in the 12th over. Richie Galich and uh, the central coast, well he was dismissed for seven, but Caleb Zebel is is 20 out, and Caleb it's quite an interesting story, mate. He was a couple of years ago he held he was the New South Wales Country Player of the Year for both cricket and rugby league. Up at Cudgeon, plays up in Cudgeon? Cudgeon, yeah, Cudgeon. Yep. Yeah, wow, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And uh, he's an all-rounder as well. I yeah, sure exactly, yeah. Took some wickets yesterday. Yeah, hits the ball a long way, opening bat. So, he's a, yeah, he's a really good
2: player. So, yeah, so that, that's a solid start for them. So it should be good. Let's quickly go back to the studio. Adam Staples is there. And an update on the women's ashes. And, wow, Heather Knight, the captain. Talk about a captain's knock. I think she's she's hit 1-6 six and 16-4s. Adam, what's the latest?
7: Yeah, boys. Uh, Heather Knight has hit 151. She's still at the crease. Uh, Sophie Ecclestone uh, acting as a great uh, partner with her right now. 95-run um, partnership at the moment
1: between those two. It's eight for 268, so 69 runs behind are uh, the English women. with two wickets still remaining. So fantastic a- effort by the English women at the moment.
2: Yeah. What about the bowling, Burko, for for the Aussies? Yeah, look, uh, Alana King
3: on on uh, on debut, she's done exceptionally well and uh, a great great leg spinner, and uh, I suppose a bit of a surprise selection ahead of uh, Amanda Wellington. But uh, um, she's got she's got the one wicket. She's uh, two to Annabelle Sutherland, two for sixty two, and Elise Perry. She's got two wickets there uh, there also. So uh, they spread them around a little bit, but gee, they'll be looking for a breakthrough now, though.
2: Yeah, when I saw Alana King, I thought it was four wickets, but it's actually four maidens, and yeah. she's taken one for forty three. So the best, I guess, you'd say, is Perry with two for 52 Uh, quite expensive Sutherland two for 62 but she's bowled 21 overs yeah yeah. so uh, your predictions can the Central Coast get the job done I mean Newcastle 17 time champions at this level yeah look I'm pretty confident um, obviously we've got a game to win here
3: today before we worry too much about tomorrow but um i I think last year's win has just given the boys a lot of confidence that that we can get over the top of Newcastle if we play well. I think it's always been a bit of a bogey uh the team that you know, you are not as good as newcastle and newcastle they they carry themselves pretty well as, as champions they they let everyone know that they're champions and uh and you know they don't really consider anyone else to be to be at that level but uh we've proven we are at that level and uh I think uh, the boys are looking forward to the contest, but they that said, we've got to get through today's game against Central North, and who are doing quite well at the moment. Did you just say that
2: uh, Newcastle a little cocky? Is that what you're trying to say?
3: That's exactly what I was saying, Steve. <laughs> and uh, uh, in, in in probably a few more words, but yeah, they, um, yeah, they, they, like, they um, yeah they like they yeah they like to think they're better than everyone else. Let's just say that. As uh, I think Tommy Anderson you had a cup last time we were on here, he said yeah about the chips on both shoulders. Yeah, it's very very evenly balanced.
2: Yeah, uh, I know you love your AFL and the uh, women's AFL. Giants, fantastic win against the Bulldogs in the Women's AFL.
3: Yeah, I reckon that's probably their their best win in, in the competition. There, and, uh, you know, to come up against the Western Bulldogs, have always been a, a, a benchmark. Always been been finalists in the, in that competition, and uh, and playing their first game at, at Henson Park was was uh, was a fantastic uh, fantastic event. I think it was probably six thousand nine hundred and seventy two. I think whatever the the, the, the number that they cost <laughs> at the Newtown Jets, and just to to share that, that fantastic facility with the Jets who is, is fantastic. And uh, and look, it was, yeah, there was it was. Pop- Pride round had a little bit of interest there during the week, a bit of publicity with uh, um, around the, the Muslim girl um, Sarika and um, you know not not playing. So it was um, yeah, it's it's a, it's an interesting mix mix in that game. But they did really well the Giants.
2: Yeah, and uh, I agree with you. Uh, but I think it's been a fantastic season. The WAFL, like some of the goals have been sensational. I know you follow the Tigers. There's a young lady with the Tigers that scored the goal of the year a couple of weeks back.
3: Yeah. yeah got like, they've got Monique Conti's there, and she's a fantastic player, one of the best players in, in the competition. But I think you're fine with the women's AFL. It gets better and better every year. And the, the, the young girls coming through, they, they have, they've been playing football now for eight years. So.
2: And there is the wind-up music. But uh, you've loved the NFL American football. And uh, a couple of teams continue to roll on, uh, including L.A.
3: Yeah, L.A., they, they did, did really, really well. And uh, and Kansas City Chiefs come in. But last weekend's round of,
2: of, of semifinals was just magnificent. You couldn't, you, know, you couldn't get better finishes than any of them. So close to the Super Bowl, and uh, what a moment that is for world sport. Thanks to Josh Kind, our technician, who's done a, an amazing job week after week. We love you, buddy. Thanks to Adam Staples, back at HQ, who steers the ship. And do we move emotion? Are you the, the new
3: Buttes? Oh, I can never be I can never Buttes. Buttes is fantastic. And uh, we'll be back next
2: week, mate, and uh, it'll, it'll be a good look forward to it. Yeah, don't forget about the Catch Up podcast. You can download that later on today on the SEN app. We'll catch you next week, Saturdays on the Coast.